This is Barkcast. You ain't nothing but a hound On each episode of BarkCast, your questions will be answered by professional, senior trainer and owner of Canine Point Academy, Russell D. Russell. Hi Russell, how's your week been here at Canine Point Academy? It's been good mate, thanks for asking. Excellent. So, we've had an email come in from Karen. Okay, oops. You're going to like this one. So, Karen has a puppy. Cool. I do like this one. Karen has been teaching her puppy how to sit and stay. Good. She wants to know, what else should she be teaching her puppy? Okie dokes. Very good question. Ultimately, well, there's a couple of things in this. One is, teach your dog whatever you really want to teach your dog. I mean, how far, you know, how much do you want to teach your dog? Do you want to teach your dog to bring the ball back and drop it for you? Do you want to teach your dog some agility? Do you want to just teach your dog to be able to just to stay when there's other things going around? There's, there's loads of different ways to... And loads of things that you can potentially teach your dog. There are obviously a few factors in the mix of that. A, depending on... She said she's got a puppy, right? Yes. So I'd like to know how old the puppy is. So are we talking like a puppy that's two, three, four months old or a puppy that's perhaps, you know, eight, nine, ten months? Unfortunately, Russell, Karen hasn't given us that information. That's okay. It doesn't really matter. One thing that does kind of jump out at me in that email is... I've already taught my puppy how to sit and stay. Yes. So, and I always find that's not actually potentially true. Not calling Karen a liar, but there's a... Oh, no, no, you are. No, no, no. There's a... Most people do that. And, and you, I'm, you probably did this with Maximus when he was a puppy. We took the bowl of food. We're in the kitchen, got his bowl of food ready. And we said, Maximus, sit. Made him sit and good boy, stay. Stay, 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 stay. As we put the bowl of food on the floor, made him stay and wait. And then when we tell him, okay, good boy, he can go and get his food. Yes. Right. And loads of people do that. And that's so good. I've, I've taught my dog how to sit and how to stay, right? Absolutely, yes. No, you haven't. I have. No, you haven't. Because it sat. And it stayed. And it stayed. Yep. And then when I said, eat your food, it ate its food. And then when you went to the park or the reservoir or the beach and said, hey, Maximus, can you sit and stay? Didn't work out quite so well. And the you, reason for that... No, no, no. I understand. But you are slightly picking on me, I feel. To be fair, I'm using you as the example, but Thank I'm picking you. on all owners for this. No. One. Okay. I, okay. No. Like, jokes aside, it's a very easy example to use because we do look at that and think, great, my dog's brilliant. Every time he sits and he waits patiently, I can, I can walk away and he will not move and go for his food until I say, okay, Rover, go get it, which is great. But you have to understand dogs learn with pictures. So, and we've, had, we've done this with previous podcasts of someone saying, my dog's perfect at home, but I go to the beach and he's a nightmare. Yes. It's the same sort of thing because the picture your dog has is in this room, in this picture with you, with the food bowl, I can sit and stay. I know how this works. We've done this twice a day, every day for the last few weeks or months. However, we shouldn't belittle the fact that that is a good start. It's a great start. So let's be positive, Russell. No, no, no. I, 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 for once, we're in agreement. Boom. <laughs> Boom. I, we, should we finish the podcast there? Yeah, <laughs> Mic drop, <laughs> pump, done. Um, no, you're, you're absolutely right. It is a really good start. What I would su- suggest to people, and Karen in particular, is that great start you've already made, continue with it. Don't assume that just because he sits and stays, for example, in the kitchen means he can do it anywhere. Because dogs do learn with pictures. So if, if you've only ever done that, i.e. food bowl in the kitchen, try and do it in the living room or in the garden. Because I guarantee you, 
it won't work or it won't work anywhere near as well as it did in the kitchen. Why? Because the dog's never done it in those rooms. They've never had to sit and stay when there are horses running by at the beach. And that's a very different picture to sitting and staying in the kitchen with a bowl of food. I understand where you're referring to. However, let, let's go back to Karen's question. Let's assume... What else can I teach my dog? Well, no, well, let's assume that she has listened yes. to the Barkcast. Yep. She's listened to you and she's done the sit and the stay and she's doing it properly and not just with a bowl of food. And I, I do get yeah. that. But what else should she be doing? So the two things for that is, one is to proof that sit and stay. So it's great that my dog does it all around the house. Great. Go to a coffee shop. Go to Coffee Lab. Take your dog there. See if you can get your dog to sit and stay. Can your dog sit and stay when there are the, the waiting staff coming along to bring your coffee? Or does the puppy now think, oh, that's exciting. I need to go and jump up on that person. Go for a walk. And out on the walk, will your puppy sit and stay for you in the same way that they would do in the house waiting for that bowl of food? Because if they don't, then those are the things I would want to work on. So, it, well, it's still the same thing. It's a sit and stay. Yes, but we're showing the dog. So sit and stay means sit and stay regardless of where you are, regardless of what's going on around you, and regardless of you know whatever happens in, in the environment. And that's usually the bit that people miss, which is why, going back to a previous podcast, my dog's great in the house, but not great at the beach. That can be partly of the why. So to answer Karen's, the first part of that question, what to teach my dog? A, get the basics right and make sure they understand those basics in a variety of different places. Because the more places you go, the dog will start to work out, oh, hang on a minute. Every time we go to a new picture, it's essentially white noise. The only thing that matters is when mummy says, sit, I still have to do this. This still works for me. I still get paid. I still get rewarded for sitting. Question. Answer. Let's just... see if it matches. <laughs> after you've just belittled Karen's question. There is a part two to that. Okay, I, to that. I hope so, because yeah. poor Karen hasn't. She's just sitting there going, oh my God, what have I done? I just wanted a simple question answered. <laughs> We, we're talking we deal with the hard topics here on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about painting pictures, and I kind yes. of understand that with a dog. But then you just turn around and said that when I say sit, I have a finger for Maximus, and mm -hmm. I put my finger up, and I raise my finger, and Maximus knows that that's my command for sit. And I will emphasize it more with the word sit yep. at the same time. And then I also have my command for to go down would be me to put my finger to the ground. Mm -hmm. So I'm painting a picture with my finger. Yeah. Is that something that yeah, pretty people much. should um, be doing as well? Yeah, and body language is, is massive to dogs. It's a lot more important than actually whatever you say. If you want to prove this, for those of you that have done a whole sit-stay in the kitchen with a bowl of food, when you do that tonight, just take two steps back. And when you're ready for your dog to go and eat, just say toaster or purple. The dog will go and eat. Oh, do you say toaster or purple? Which one? Either. Just, or just pick, mention a random word. And do everything else the same and the dog will go and do it. Because you usually will say, you'll sort of wave your hand or you'll point at the bowl and say, Rover, go get it. Just saying something random, the dog will still go and do it. Because it's less of what you say and more about how you act in your body language. And we've all got our ticks. So you will all point a finger or put your hand up when you want to sit or lie down. We all do these sort of things. And that's, that's okay as long as you're kind of reasonably consistent with it. So and if you want to have those hand signals, fire away. But the hand signal along with the words does it's a double whammy yeah, it's, sure. it's just beneficial yeah and you, you might even find depending on how sort of a responsive or aware your dog is if you're forever pointing with your right hand saying sit every time and pointing with your right hand and one day you do it with your left you might find that your dog sort of 
takes a second to, oh, wait, what? It's a very subtle change, but, you know, if the dog's sensitive enough, they might pick up on that. Okay, so let's get to Karen's part two of the question, of the question which is actually, what, else to what more should she be doing apart from the sit and stay? Okay, so in terms of what we sort of categorize as your, your basic obedience, A, if you've got the sit, might sort of extend that into a down. If she's got the stay, just make sure that they apply to both a sit and a down. I also teach what I call a boundary stay, which is, and you can use your dog's bed for this. The thing with a, a sit and a down is they're very specific behaviors. And this also comes into whether or not this, the word stay is necessarily required. If I say sit and my dog puts its bum on the ground, well, if it then walks away, that's the opposite of what you wanted. So sit, in a way, kind of means stay. Make sense? Yep. No, I'll move you on that cool. one. So, A, in terms of the, the sit and the down, they're very fixed positions. Like, I'm sitting, but how long do I want my dog to do that for? Because after a while, they might get uncomfortable, want to move. Technically, maybe that's not allowed. Is it better for dogs to be sat or to lie down? Are they more comfortable in either or? They'll be more comfortable for, in For this down. purpose of... If it, in, a, in a very easy way of looking at it, a dog sitting in a classic um, straight sit position is a bit like us standing at attention. Very easy to do, but gets uncomfortable after a while. And that's interesting because, in fact, yesterday I was went to see Maximus and I made him sit and it was almost like he was at attention. Yes. And, and just as you said that, and it just made me think, and he was like waiting for the next, right, what am I waiting for? Yeah. And that's what he was looking at me going, well, what's the next, what's the next bit? And other times you'll see dogs, they'll sit, but they'll sort of sit on one hip. Yes. In the same way that when you're on the sofa, it's sort of sprawled out. It's just a more slightly more comfortable version of, of sitting on the sofa. And yeah, sure, if they lie down into that, what we'd call a classic sphinx position. Yeah, it's a more, I'm sort of more at attention, but in my down, as opposed to like Bree at the minute by my side, just flumped onto well, his side a wee bit. Let's just bring that up as well, because Bree's with us today. Bree was sat earlier and he was looking around because yeah. there was things going on where we were. Yes. And you made him, by giving him a little tickle and a little command, lie down. And then he, he totally, his demeanor almost changed completely. Yeah. He just went, oh, yeah. oh good. I, just, I still have to lie here? Yeah, there's a, a baby just walked in and was was crying a wee bit yeah it's fine don't worry just chill out lie down oh okay i can do that okay so so you're talking about the boundary yeah boundary stays so ages and i i use a, a dog bed or a, sort of a platform bed for the for that sort of thing so it's just like a, a small area where i want my dog to be so look if you want to stretch and stand up and walk around and have a little area to yourself go right ahead but i need you to just kind of be there very useful for when you've got people coming to the house rather than having my dog run to the door and jump up on everyone they can kind of be on their bed, just kind of out the way to begin with. And then when everyone's in, sat down and we're all calm, then I can have my dog coming over. Also teaching my dog to walk properly on a leash. So there are times when, you know, I want my dog to walk out and explore and kind of go everywhere. But there are also times I want my dog to walk nicely by my side. So classic heel position, as it were. And then obviously the big ticket item is Rover come back. Teaching my dog that when I say Fido, come here, that you actually stop what you're doing and come back to me. Well, you better get the name right because you just said Rover come back and then you called Fido. So that's probably why Which Fido's not coming back. explains why he's not coming back. There we go. <laughs> if, if only I'd worked that one out sooner. But thank you for pointing that out. You're very welcome. <laughs> you mentioned at the, at the start of the, of the chat about doing agility and doing tricks and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Are there, obviously agility is slightly different because, you know, it depends if you've got the equipment at home to do the jumping over the stuff and through hula hoops, which you probably could do yeah. at home. But what about doing simple tricks like uh, like a handshake or a okay, paw like shake? A high five or yeah, absolutely. 
But what does that actually do for the dog? That, that, that's that's the good question. Thanks. Right there. Well, it's only taken us how many barcasts? You finally asked a good question. 60 I'm proud of you. <laughs> I get a lot of people come to me and say, look, I just want my dog to learn the basics. I need my dog under control. I don't need any of this fancy trick stuff. All right? It's absolutely useless. It's pointless. I don't need it. In a functional way, the only real benefit of teaching my dog to a high five and roll over and spin is it's really impressive to show off to my friends. It doesn't really help me trying to get the dog to come back on the beach in a distracted environment. However, the time that you spend trying to get your dog to do these things is the important part of this because it's just engagement with you and the dog. So, And that's the main part. The dog's now focused on you for a more amount of time. So and what is it that you want? That I've, to get? Normally I sit or I lie down and you give me the treat. Now it's, it's something else. So they're thinking about these things all the time. And now you've got it in his repertoire, the sit, the down, the stay, the high five, the spin or the turn or the weave between your legs. These are just different behaviors. So each time you go back to working with your dog, they're going to go through their repertoire of behaviors because they know all of these different things work. And if you think about when we're out and about, be it at the beach or at a coffee shop or wherever, if you've got that repertoire of things to go through with your dog, they're going to be that much more focused on you than they are in what's going on around them. So I would absolutely incorporate teaching quote-unquote tricks in your training plan, not for the massive functional benefit that those tricks have themselves. Unless you're going on Britain's Got Talent, Unless of you're going on a talent show. And I do take your point, and it is about being with your dog and spending that time yeah. with your dog. And so when you are then trying to call the callback, it's, there's that fun element of... Because when I go... I mean, Maximus, bring back Maximus again. He loves to high-five me and loves to shake my hand and all sorts of weird and wonderful yeah. stuff. Fun is the right word. And here's the, this is where there can offer me a bit of a disconnect because I don't consider trick training and uh, functional behavior training as being anything different. Because people say, well, a sit and a down is, is separate to a high-five and a rollover. If you think about it, it's not. You want your dog to do a specific behavior on command when you want it and you're rewarded accordingly if they do it. Sit, lie down, roll over. They're just behaviors. Now, obviously, we want more of the sit and the stay than we perhaps do the rollover. The problem can become when we're doing the rollovers and spins, we don't care if the dog messes up or fails because it's just fun, but we can make it fun with the dog. Whereas we tend to expect and need the sit and the stay, and we can very often take a lot of the fun out of it. By adding in the fun, doing some of the trick stuff, getting them to spin or go through your legs or high five or whatever it is that you want to do, adds in that fun engagement that the dog really craves and wants and it also can inadvertently help the existing behaviors if you think about a high five what is the dog usually doing when you high f get it to high five? Oh, is that a question for me yeah well i was just trying to work out how many fingers a dog has <laughs> um, so then it's not well, a high five so it'll be a high nine it should be a high four. Yeah. Well, high four well, i guess so yeah sorry so I, was in my, I was in my world of my own then so my question okay. to you is ask the question again yes there we go i'm ready now what is your dog generally doing as you're trying to teach them to give you a high four? A high paw or a high four? Either. See what I did Both there. works. It's engaging with me and it's looking at but me. But functionally, and what's it doing at the time? It's picking one leg up. But what's it? Oh, what's Russell, its body just position? Tell me the answer. I He's don't sitting. know. Oh, he is sitting, yeah. Invariably, oh, it's sat there and it's Ask sitting. It Ask it again. Looking at Jay, I've got a quick question for you now. When you're trying to teach your dog to give you a high five, a high four, or a high paw... At that moment... Sitting! There you go. You're ahead of me. Brilliant. Your dog's in a sit. So whilst you're spending that time trying to get him to put his paw up, maybe a bit higher each time, he's spending all of that time in a sit. 
So you're reinforcing the sitting element as well and get him to sit and effectively stay and engage with you for a period of time. I, I'll be honest with you. I am a big fan. Whenever I see Maximus, it's straight. We, we sit, we high-five. Well, we, we, we don't call it high-five. We shake hands. Yep. Then we lie down. Then he rolls over. Then we have belly rubs. Yes. And that's kind of the, the pattern that we go through. The, the one, if I can put a downer on proceedings here, because just as is my want, when you're teaching behaviors, it's always worth sparing an afterthought for where can this perhaps either go wrong or what's, how can this develop? So in terms of when it comes to teaching, and particularly with puppies, as Karen has a puppy, things like sit and high fives, give poor shake, tend to be like the go-to things that we want to teach our dog. And I'm cool with it. All right, we just spent the entire podcast talking about how cool tricks are. That's fine. But when it comes to things like give me your paw, shake hands, the follow-on can then be, well, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm going to give you both paws or I'm going to jump up. And that's not necessarily something that I want a young puppy to learn. I don't mind if my puppy jumps up, but I want my puppy to do it when I ask for it and not when they arbitrarily choose to do it. So with puppies, I would start with things like getting them to spin or turn, lie down, roll overs, things that are keeping them off of me. And once we have that grounded experience and the dog's really tuned in and understands, then start teaching my high fives, my sit-ups and my jumps because then I'm getting it on cue rather than getting the dog with muddy balls jumping up and making a mess. I cannot believe that you have completely dismissed everyone's high-fiving of their dogs. I'm good like that. Honestly, I did say, do you mind if I just put a downer on things as is my massive want? Massive downer. <laughs> my word. I do take your points. Just to summarize. So to summarize, Karen, the next thing is to really to teach your dog is just a make sure that that sit and stay you've been working on is really reinforced wherever you're going. For me, that would be my absolute go to. On top of that, yep, add in really any behaviors that you really, really want or really, Apart really need. high-fiving, apparently. <laughs> Maybe need the high-five and the jumping up until a bit later on down the line. Karen, come and see me. We'll do lots of high-fives. We'll do lots of high-fives and jumps, yeah. <laughs> Russell, thank you very much. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, Pleasure mate. as always. If you're looking for professional training or somewhere to board your dog, either short or long-term, then check out Canine Point Academy. That's caninepointacademy.com or go to Facebook and search Canine Point Academy. BarkCast was created and produced by Shark 13 Productions. If you are looking to start a podcast or would like to learn more about how a podcast can work alongside your current marketing plans, then contact us now at j at shark13productions.com.